pretty sure that what I actually need to have prayed up here is, oh Lord, please speak through me because I'm standing up here and I haven't prepared anything else. <laughs> Which is not entirely true, obviously. But um, it has been uh, very, very busy. Um, over the last few years especially, I've been very, very focused on my job, which you may have noticed. Uh, and I've had less and less time for anything else, or at the very least, less physical and mental energy for anything else. Uh, I haven't even really kept up with my hobbies, for that matter. Um, not a complaint. Um, I know several uh, folks here have been just as busy as I have, if not more so, and I don't have a child in the mix. Um, <clears throat> So um, I mention this actually because um, currently, just thought-wise, um, you know, I'm a bit uh, adrift, and I don't seem to be able to navigate to a safe harbor, so to speak. Uh, instead, I'm simply trying to weather the storm of questions that life brings, uh, knowing that although there are many that have come before me, um, I've not had the time to adequately seek out the wisdom that they've gathered, nor have I made it. Um, And as such, um, I remain tossed about by the questions that others have dealt with uh, for millennia uh, without being able to come to necessarily viable answers uh, for myself, for my own life. Uh, And so this morning, um, as is usually my want when I stand up here, uh, I am mostly going to share my questions uh, and some of my thoughts surrounding them. I recently had a uh, conversation regarding religion with one of my Uh, Jewish co-workers, Um, and he stated flat out that he was uh, really an atheist, um, but believed that religion was indispensable to the well-being of mankind and human society. Uh, In other words, it may not be true, but it's good for us, Um, a sort of spiritual placebo, if you will. It's not an uncommon belief, and in truth, Uh, I think this is a position that we may often find ourselves holding without even being aware of it. Perhaps not explicitly or actively, uh, but rather passively and practically. I do not mean by this that our actions do not line up with what we say we believe, as true as that may be. Instead, I think many of us hold this belief as a fallback uh, for our own uncertainty regarding our faith. When we have a question we cannot answer or a doubt we cannot silence, We console ourselves in thinking that even if none of it is actually true, it's still beneficial. How different from Paul's conclusion in 1 Corinthians 15, that if our faith is in vain, we are of all people most to be pitied. How then should we understand this disparity? Does he simply mean that we have deprived ourselves of the joys of life through our devotion to a false Christ? and the restrictions placed upon our lives by our therefore pointless faith? Not at all. Even as Paul questions the validity of the Christian faith in this passage, the question is based on an unwavering belief in the truth of the Jewish scriptures. He does not say that we have nothing, but rather that we are still in our sins, still separated from God and standing in condemnation, even as we believe ourselves to be justified and free something that is only possible if the scriptures are in fact true. And that is why we are to be pitied. Not because we missed out on all the fun. And so Paul presupposes the truth of the scriptures themselves in reaching his conclusion, whereas we are willing to let them go entirely in reaching ours. One of the benefits of a homogenous society 
is a unified set of underlying assumptions and presuppositions that drive the society's understanding and interpretation of the world around it. Whether that involves the understanding and meaning of social interactions or that of how to interpret the written or spoken word. We do not live in a homogenous society. (laughs) If this is the case, then what do we really believe? Where does our faith start? What is the foundation of our belief? I don't think that anyone would argue that this is an important thing to know. It also seems to have a very simple Sunday school answer. The Bible, naturally. But if we really stop and think about it, we find this answer to be woefully insufficient. What do we actually believe about the Bible? If I say the Bible is true, how do you understand that? Is it historically accurate, spiritually true, prophetically true, philosophically true, morally true, socially true? We say we believe it is the word of God, but what do we actually mean by that? Is that in a conceptual or in a literal sense? We know that the text itself was written by the hands of human men, that we say we're led by the Holy Spirit? Do we understand that to be some sort of auto-writing, whereby the author had no control or input into the final text? Or is it more of a general inspiration regarding the core concepts and ideals? And either way, how do we handle the transition between the original autographs uh, and our current text? These are all questions that mankind has wrestled with for millennia and I'm sure I could fill a small library with nothing but books on this subject. Speaking of which, uh, I happen to have one up here. Um, Actually, I have two of them up here. Uh, One is a book called Inerrancy, um, edited by uh, Norman Geisler. It's actually a collection of academic papers. Um, It's not necessarily a book per se, but it's a collection of academic papers uh, wrestling with exactly those questions. Uh, Beneath that here is a very interesting and very difficult to read book called The Text of the Old Testament um, by a gentleman named Ernst Werthwein, wherein he goes through piece by piece and breaks down every scrap of paper that has led to our current canon. It has more footnotes than content. But I want to give you just sort of a sense of some of the questions just by reading you actually the chapter of the paper titles um, from this book. Christ's view of scripture, the apostles' view of scripture, alleged errors and discrepancies, higher criticism and biblical inerrancy, legitimate hermeneutics, the inerrancy of the autographa, the adequacy of human language, the human authorship of inspired scripture, the meaning of inerrancy, and philosophical presuppositions of biblical errancy. That last one in particular spends um, a lot of time going through uh, the major philosophers moving from um, Aristotle forward all the way through Kant and uh, analyzing what their philosophy, not just superficially, but um, specifically uh, implicates in terms of how we understand uh, the word of God.
Each of these represents an area that mankind struggles with in trying to decide on the truth of Scripture. What we are willing to accept as truth, and who is the final arbiter of what this is. Do we accept the Bible as is, or does it have to prove itself to us by meeting our standards of truth? We are driven to further conflict as we consider the fallibility of the human authors and the scribes that followed. Why are there no female authors? And what does that mean? What about the horrible human injustices that have been committed based on what we now believe to be a false understanding of the text? From the Spanish Inquisition to American slavery, from the Crusades to the bombing of nightclubs, or the clear hypocrisy of the current political system? Dealing with the spiritualization of social mores versus the spiritual reality of social behavior. And all we have to fall back on then is a scripture that we're not sure how to trust. Even if we believe it to be true, could our current understanding be just as wrong? Maybe we are equally misguided in our interpretation as those that came before us. It is almost guaranteed that we are. So what are we to do? In a single word, love. But if we're honest with ourselves, we know that this is insufficient reductionism. Jesus said that this forms the foundation for true belief. He did not say it was the comprehensive total of everything we need. If that were the case, he could have advocated that scripture was unnecessary and that if we all just loved each other, we would be fine. But he didn't. Instead, he argued for the importance of Scripture itself. I'm going to read. Do you think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets? I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, Not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So what do we do with that? We have to acknowledge the necessity of Scripture to our faith. And we must come to terms with these challenges both individually and as a church. We must learn to think and yield at the same time. To be critical and skeptical even as we come to the Word as children. Trusting even though we do not understand We must be wise and foolish, discerning and accepting. We must learn how to live in faith and ask for help with our unbelief. We must strive, read, ask, struggle, pray, engage, act, and seek. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word.
We thank You that through all of our doubts, all of our struggles, all of our back and forth with human wisdom, that we can place You above all of these things. That we know You to be trustworthy and true. That You have shown Yourself in our lives, the lives of the world around us. We thank You that all that we have in our understanding has been given to us by You. We thank You for opening our eyes and opening our hearts. We ask, even as we struggle, that as we believe, You would help us with our unbelief. We ask that You would reveal Your truth to us more each day. We ask for confidence in Your Word. And we ask for the peace to follow You even when we're uncertain. We thank You so much for the tremendous gift that You have given us in leaving us Your Word, in giving us a guide as to what it is that You desire so we're not left flailing about in the dark like so many others, trying to guess what it is our God wants through a form of trial and error and stick and carrot. Rather, You have given us this text through your servants. And though we may not understand all of the mysteries of how that works, we ask that you would give us faith, that we might read your word, that you would give us understanding, and that we would continue to seek your face. We thank you for all of these things and ask that you would be with us in the week ahead as we ponder what we have heard and what you would have us learn. In Christ's name, amen.